Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with writer, podcast creator, host, lyricist, and photographer, Ken Stearns. He is well-traveled and seasoned as a Midwestern kid. Beginning his third act in his life for himself and in others, he traded in a suit for a van, a mic, and some questions. Roughly 12 months into his journey, and it's given him so much more than he imagined. 200 guest plus, and it's been amazing. He had a great run as an insurance executive in Asia with so many experiences to draw from, but now he's awakened and it's a new life. Enjoy this interview. There's so much confusion with technology and Bluetooth and all of this. It's a, it's a struggle. I mean, you know, I'd say not even a struggle anymore. It's just, it's normal, right? It's check this button, check this button, and then boom, you're done. Yep. Absolutely. Hey, it's nice to meet you, man. Yeah. Nice to meet you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for reaching out. It was kind of a, I looked at it. I'm like, I'm not quite sure I'm a fit, but I've got a weird enough story where it can fit in almost anywhere. Well, this is the problem. When I set my account up with Podmatch, I kind of did other interviews other than jazz, but it wasn't yeah. full time. So once I got in that environment, I can't switch my feed to famous interviews. So I interview um, people from all over the place, but my predominant image now is the jazz. But you know what? <laughs> it tends to still pull people in. People are like, cool, jazz. So it, I guess it just plays testament to the idea that people think jazz is a pretty cool little thing in the world so it's good i it's more the people i think yeah. right it's like jazz jazz people are going to be the right people yeah right let me you tell you I mean? man I, I didn't realize this until i got into it i started doing jazz radio in 2011 of all the people that i've ran into and i've run into a lot of people and done a lot of things because i'm a visual artist and a photographer and a writer and i've done okay. all kinds of things in my life I have never met finer organisms than jazz people. They are they're grounded, they're cool, yes. they're talented, yep. they're 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 visionaries, they're wise. There's all I always envision them as all of these wise people in turbans in Cloud City and Empire. <laughs> they're just sitting in the tower looking at us like, are they gonna get it one day? You small minded people. Yes. Please you, you please catch up. Yeah. It, well, I mean, it's, hey, I still think there's, uh, whenever I think jazz, um, for whatever reason, it still brings me to this, uh, there's a jazz bar. I grew up in Chicago or near Chicago suburb and there's, you know, the blues city. Uh, but there's also a pretty crazy ass jazz, um, uh, really just a whole vibe there. And there's a whole underground kind of a jazz. Anyway, I just still think back to this jazz bar I went to. When I was about 20 something and just in the basement, and I forget it's a famous place and it's just bananas. But the jazz was this guy's going over here. There's another guy going down here with the, the guitar and the rhythm and the bass and the, and the organ It's going in every freaking direction. Uh huh. And my mind is blown. Yeah. And they pull it all back together. Yeah. 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 Is it, was Musically. it the green mill? No, it's in the ba- it's a you go downstairs. It's a basement place. It's quite famous. Okay. Um, yeah. This would have been I, 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, I know the Green Mill is a big place there, but I I always think about Von Freeman when I think about Chicago. And there's a lot of really good modern cats. I talk to jazz people from Chicago all the time. Okay. And, and for me, Chicago is one of my favorite cities on the planet. I love it yeah. there. I've been there a lot and it's just so cool. I'm a fan is I'm a fan too. Yeah. Although, you know, it's a little bit like like a lot of the cities, it's under a little duress at the moment. Yeah. Well, you know, that the urbanization thing's still happening, kind of trying yeah. to they're trying to figure it out. Some cities are kind of cool. I'm I'm here in St. Louis right now. Okay. And 
they've got this, I ended up staying in one of these loft places, which seem to be quite popular now where they take these old industrial buildings, either, yep. you know, cooler houses or storehouses and turn them into condos and apartments. And they've turned this whole area kind of refurbed it into a, a art district. That's what Pretty Kansas nice. City's done. It's kind of okay. a template that a lot of urban cities. Okay. Have. Yeah. Yeah. So we have the bottoms, which used to get flooded out all the time. Used to be where all the cattle were. My dad. Yeah. He moved here. For, he was born in Brooklyn, raised in Long Island. And he moved. He he got in the military to see the world. But he got here, and he used to always tell me stories about that area that's now an arts district. And fine, you used to have to mm. breathe in and hold your breath because this the shit smell was every. Oh, it's just you had to blaze as fast as you could. But now it's this urban empire of hip, cool bars and art galleries and all kinds of things. And you just got to hope that levee doesn't break because. It's it's right by yeah. the river, man. It'll be ugly after that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was but... gonna see where my schedule takes me. And if I end up when I end up in if I end up in Kansas. I mean I'm in, I mean I'm gonna be in Kansas. Wichita and Topeka. Okay. Well, you're you're kind of a hop, skip, and jump when you're at Wichita, but man, Kansas yeah. City, I, I don't have you have you spent any time here? No. I and I'm and I'm wondering why it's not on my on my map. Uh, that's what I don't understand. The I've Kansas. got a little. You go. You can't. We'll be able to see it. No, yeah, it, can't it's, see it. Um, I have a a map that I that I've I've laid out for the trip. So I'll look at this after. Let me look at it real quick. Because there we are. I'm not curious why I'm not going to. I mean, I, the, there's two cities I pick. One is I pick just one random city in every state, yeah. and then I pick um, state capital. Yeah. So it's weird. I can't even see. Okay. I'll have a look afterwards. So yeah. I mean, I'm sure. I mean, that's, I should be going to Kansas City. That's a great city. I, I it, can't believe I'm not going there. Yeah. You should. I mean, in Kansas City, I mean, we're going to get the World Cup. I'm still in shock. And <laughs> are you like, kidding? I don't know what's going on. And then the NFL draft a few weeks ago, which I didn't know what to expect, but I went down there. I was blown away. I've been in this city my whole life. I've lived in urban areas. I'm yeah. actually out in the suburbs now, but I am just amazed at how far we've come and how progressive we've become and how many things have just, I mean, the jazz scene's great. The arts. Yeah. I mean, when people come here for the arts, they're just like, wow, they had no idea. There's a, there's a heightened level of art and culture in Kansas city that people I don't think realize. Hey man, the Midwest is, is. To me is the, it's the heartland. It is the, it's the genesis of a lot of, I think the coastal stuff, highly overrated. It's condensed, yeah. uh-huh. uh, but there's so much good stuff. Just walking down the street last night and stuff. And I bet this weekend it's going to be very cool. Studios, yeah. all kinds of studios and stuff down here. And there's yes. a ballparks near here. It's uh-huh. like the way they've done it is genius. Yeah, it is. And Kansas City wants to mimic that. They're wanting to get out of the, our stadiums are kind of on the outskirts and yeah, they want to. Yeah kind of take the page that St. Louis, because I'm impressed when I go there and I see that downtown village there, you know, it's pretty hip. You it's know. genius. It's genius. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Charlotte. I was in Charlotte. I think it's Charlotte is the same way. Yeah. The stadium and everything is right downtown. Uh, I've yeah. got a friend that lives, bought a condo. He's like literally right across from the baseball field. It's, but yeah. it's nuts. Yeah. Uh, the whole area is. Oh, the urban cool. planners all have a playbook they're coming out of. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it's the same. It's some big, you know, consulting companies kind of advising them. Yeah, for sure. Well, hey, man, it's great to meet you. Yeah. I want to make sure that we dive into your life. Yeah. So before we get into 
you know, like where you're at, you have a very interesting story. I want to know, how did you survive COVID? Uh, very lucky. Uh, actually in a weird way, I landed, I was, you know, I was in Asia and I was bouncing around. Um, I happened to come out of India and land in Vietnam and right in about January, February, in January, I guess. Uh, and they closed the door behind me about two weeks, two weeks after I got in. That was it. Country locked down. Wow. And for 12 months, there's no flights in, no flights out. Very, I mean, you could get out. There were some repatriation flights, but very, very difficult to get out. Impossible to get in. And um, they locked us down for a year. And that was through um, the first wave. And they didn't really, there was nothing in the country. I mean, they basically, well, they were, it's, you know, it's a communist country. So as soon as something popped up, they just like locked a whole village down or <laughs> whatever the fuck they want to do. Right. Yeah. We're just going to like, there was a hospital story that one, like somebody tested positive on one of the floors and they just, they, they literally came up and just chained the entire building. Wow. So like delivery guys who happen to be going in there delivering a pizza. 14 days in the building locked wow. in there. They just, they just literally came up and just went, wrap the chains around it. Just like, if you happen to be inside at that moment, good night. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they did crazy shit like that, but it worked, uh, for the first 12 months. And then of course, Omicron did, did sneak in and they've had a few ways. So anyway, my, my, uh, I was blessed because I was able to really focus on the project. So I spent basically, a year and a half working and living and developing the pro the, the project and right and finishing my book. So very lucky. So let's get to the essence of what you exactly do. I know yeah. you've had a company life and you've had a creative life. So let's get into right now. So mm-hmm. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders at a career day. Okay. Yeah. One of the third graders looks up at you and says and asks, what do you do for a living? How do you mm-hmm. answer them? I'm going around the country and I'm giving people a chance to tell their story and listen to their story of who they are um, and to give that story a platform so other people can hear it and see the similarities in each other, both the good things and the hard things. You know, the other day I was at a gas station and there was a, a guy across from me and he, uh, it was a Veloster and my stepdaughter has one. And I just kind of said, Hey, you know, do you, yeah. do you like this car? you know, with gas mileage, whatever. We just started talking and he was like an army vet or whatever. And, and about two minutes later, after I was pumping gas, he just kind of looked over and said, you know, thank you for, for being nice, you know, for talking. And I was like, it's all good, man. I said, you know, we're more similar than we're not. And he just kind of stopped and he's like, yep. And, and that's really what it is. I mean, when we talk about the political divisiveness that we live in yeah. in this country, the reality is, is that we're all kind of going towards the same thing, but yes. we get ripped apart because these politicians are a bunch of assholes. Abs- absolutely. Self-serving but, egos. Yeah. And, and they, they divide us and cause all the shit that's unnecessary. Oh, yeah. Because if we actually, if we actually pause for a moment, in between all these, all these crises and looked at the shit show in Washington, people would actually would, I mean, January 6th would look like play day. Oh yeah. I mean, we would, sh- we literally should be marching on the place with pitchforks and, yeah. and nooses, uh, yeah. because they're, it's a shit show. Uh, yeah. we're being led by real. And he, he said it, the divisiveness is intentional. Um, yeah. I, I truly believe that we have so much more in common. I've really never had anybody turn the show political. Yeah. 
it's a very spiritual. I mean, the, 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 I mean, the questions come from my book called Dear God. It's not a religious book. It's, it's more of a, you know, kind of one person's view on, on life and, and the life stuff, you know, heavy human topics, right? Um, and just the, the purpose is using God as a, as a sounding board to write the letters to. But I've never had anybody turn, you know, in any way, shape or form political or, or hatred or anti this or anti that. And I'm sat down with, with religious people, atheists, conservatives, liberals, unit, you know, purple haired, flying flagging, you know, LGBTQ plus SYBD, whatever, and super pastors. Yeah. Priests. So yeah. I've said, and guess what? You know, I get along, we get along with all of them have uh-huh. great stories. They're all humans. Yep. Yeah. It's amazing. We have so much in it? common. Yeah. We have so much in common. I kind of liken it to this term. It's, there's a bell curve and we're yeah. all here. Uh huh. And somehow we've given these elements on the edges, the microphone and the spotlight. And it's like the circus barkers are controlling the narrative. Yep. Absolutely. They are. It's crazy. Well, how how did you end up here? Let's go to where you were born and raised and kind of yeah, you have sh- a company life and a, and a creative mm-hmm. life. How did those merge and the seeds that were planted in you? Yeah, it's good. It's a mis- part of that's a mystery. Um, you know, as I said in my bio, I'm a Midwestern kid. Uh, all good stories know, have mystery. Yeah, a well seasoned, mist- a well seasoned Midwestern kid. So yeah, I'm, I'm an old guy from the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, so I grew up in suburb of Chicago. Ended up going to school in Carolina. So I got a little bit, you know, got out of the north. And then my sister kind of lured me to California. Uh, and I, so I graduated, ended up in LA, got married, had kids. I was an insurance guy. And I answered an ad one day to go overseas to live in Hong Kong, work for AIG, an American company. Go, you know, let us move you to Hong Kong and bring your skill set and travel around and, you know, help build our businesses in the various countries so the different markets so they had about 15 you know 15 countries they were in and so i went over there for you know ended up being 20 something years uh towards you know and i was on that you know corporate basically that corporate you know rabbit wheel right i was on the hamster wheel just going and going and going and I had a lot of creative energy, which I didn't re, I mean, I knew, but you know, you kind of suppress it because I'm a corporate guy and I gotta, I'm a dad. I gotta bring home the paycheck. And my, my creative energy was in PowerPoints and strategies. If I gave a speech, how I would give the speech. So I, you know, I had some outlet for my creativity, but I didn't realize it was really was there. Um, and somewhere. Somewhere along the way, I started writing on airplanes, you know, a lot of travel, a lot of sitting in airports and cars and moving around. And I started doing some reflections. Uh, and I started a book called Dear Dad. It was actually the, 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 the idea of writing letters as a kind of a form of a, of a narrative was, was really my, my dad died when I was 28 and I had this corporate career. And I was having success and setbacks and all these things in life that I'd love to have picked up the phone and called my dad. Father son moments. And I had some great ones, but I didn't have this as an adult. I knew him as a child and a man child, but not as a father, not as a, a, a real man and never had man conversations. And I didn't have that person. 
Um, and so, you know, that was a, that was that beginning of writing something. And then that got sidelined, um, in visiting my mom, who was very spiritual. And her faith just perplexed me because it was like so strong and so unwavering and, you know, like almost like lunatic crazy strong, right? You're like, there's something at some point you're like, there might be something there, yeah. you know, like yep. she's old. She knows stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and it just perplexed me. And so somewhere along the way, I started the Dear God book. And the first letter I wrote in that was faith. Dear God, what is faith? You know, and asking and kind of, you know, so all the, the letters have got four, you know, kind of four components. Each letter, each topic has four letters. So faith would have four letters. And it's really just about exploring, you know, what is it? Um, you know, how do people keep it and find it? Um, you know, and just my observations about it uh, amongst, you know, amongst people as I, you know, as I was growing up and that all of that writing got put aside um, because I ended up in another crazy job and all stuff put in a drawer in a folder. And then I got that. I went from the craziest job to the easiest job. So I moved from Indonesia to Thailand. I ended up in Thailand and I had just the best, you know, the worst job and the best job. There's like a nothing job. Just show up every day. And, and, and just, you know, some of my experience was enough to just throw that around once a day and I was good. Um, but in that, in that moment, I was back in the U.S. and decided, you know, I'm going to buy a guitar. I'm going to pick up guitar. And so I started playing guitar. And I, and I, my contract with myself was I want to buy a good guitar. I don't want to buy some cheap thing I'm not going to play that's going to sound garbagey. I want to buy a night and something beautiful. So I was in this guitar shop and I'm looking around and I'm super intimidated. You know, I'm like, Jesus, man, I don't, I don't even know how to hold the thing. How can I like, I'm, I'm going to look like a, it's like a real fraud. I'm going to pull a guitar off the wall yep. and I'm going to strum it. I don't even know how to strum. So I'm like, what am I doing here? I'm like, I'm starting to realizing I'm an idiot. I'm in this place. I have no idea what I'm doing. And, um, and I happen to see this guy who's kind of moving around from stool to stool and he's grabbing different guitars. And he's about my age, kind of looks like me. And I'm walking around and I'm feeling pretty awkward. And I'm actually kind of thinking I probably should just leave. And rethink this, take a deep breath. And I kind of turn the corner at some point, and there he is sitting on the stool, kind of blocking my path a little bit. So it's almost like me and you staring at each other. And I was like, hey, you know, this is my situation. You know, I just want to buy a guitar. Here's what I'm doing. He goes, looks, I said, do you have any advice? He looks at me, he goes, the red one. And, and, and I'm just like, my, I must have just looked so confused because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. He's like, yeah. you know, the red one, the one you can't take your eyes off of, the one you want to hold, the one you don't, you see it across a crowded room and that's all you can see. And I was like, wow, not about the material, yeah. how I hold it, how it sounds, nothing that I need. All the things that I didn't know have nothing to do with what I need. And as soon as he said red one, I was like, done, turned around. That is my red one. She's over here behind me. Beautiful. And, um, and that was the beginning. So I took that, I took it back and I, and I, the other part of my contract was buy a nice guitar. Um, so I made a contract with myself to buy a nice one, which was buy a nice one, take lessons for two years. And at the end of two years, I will make an assessment. 
but I have to commit to, to buy something nice. I have to commit that I'm going to try and, you know, and I'll take it to the, the hard end. And so I did, I got a, I got a teacher and this guy, man, changed my life. You know, just this intentionality and commitment ended up becoming something so more because the first thing he started doing on the second or third lesson was we should write a song. We should write a song. I was like, I can't even play. Yeah, 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 we should write a song. And and it was kind of genius because like I remembered by the fourth time, I remembered I've got all these words I wrote. We can probably steal some lyrics from the words. So I pulled out my books, draft notes, scribble notes, and basically found the faith one. And we were able to highlight lines in it that sounded lyrical and start making a story about faith uh, and the journey of really it's a journey of faith. And, uh, you know, and ultimately it's faith in yourself is what the song was about, right? It's all really was all about, yeah, God's nice and everything. But in the end, he just kind of like, you know, shrugs his shoulders and goes, have at it. Yeah. You know, that's the song. You know, yeah. that's the song. Um, but it started me on that journey where I was like, I got to write another song. Yeah. It was so much, it was so cool to, to physically be able to go through and go, wow, that's my song. I wrote, you know, we wrote that together. Um, and then I did another one and then I ran out of words. I hadn't, I hadn't written very much. So I started writing the book to steal words for more songs. And then I fell in love with the book. Right on. That's excellent. Yeah. It's the weirdest way to end up writing a book. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's funny how things happen and you can't really see where things will take you. You know, Mm -hmm. something as innocent as just pouring my, pouring my thoughts onto paper. Yeah. Um, on an airplane, uh, picking up guitar with the intention of not giving, you know, of, of making some commitment. And it's almost like, you know, in the universe, when I make that statement out to the universe, when I'm making that commitment, it's like, Oh, okay. Two years. Then, you know, things start happening. Give them a teacher. Give them yeah. the right teacher. Yeah. See where it goes. True. Uh, you know, I met the perfect person at the perfect moment. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and if I hadn't met that guy, I wouldn't be here today. I'd still be probably in corporate or I'd, I'd be in corporate somewhere. It's the beauty of life. You know, of all of these interviews and stories that you do, who would be a dream person? Anybody on the planet that you could interview, who would it be? Interesting. Somebody in this, I, the, of all the interviews, uh, one common thing among, um, the interviewees, the, uh, I'm going to get to make sure I say the word right. Theo, theologians. Yeah. Pastors and priests, spiritual leaders have been the best, not the best interviews from human o- overcoming human things. So there's different kinds of, you know, these interviews, right? The outcomes. Some of our stories are amazing stories of tenacity and humans overcoming incredible adversity, like the, the worst parents you could imagine, just situations beyond imagination. Um, and those are amazing in their, in their individual human stories. The interview itself, as far as the questions that I've got and, and exploring them, which has been for me the most fascinating part. Uh, as far as for me growing and learning, it's been the priests and the pastors that I've had because they, they, they know how to tell the story yeah, and they know how to frame it. So, you know, the questions are very wide open and, and you can do whatever the questions are, are 
intentionally confusing yet open yet closed like there there's some magic in the way they're written and man but these guys they they lay you know they lay this foundation down they put up some pillars you know then they put a roof on it plant some trees around the answer and they bring you welcome and then they welcome welcome you into the building right yeah. and then <clears throat> and then show you around yeah I, it's just uh still my first the first interview is is still magic to me I mean, yeah. Carl, Pastor, Pastor Carl, atheist turned preacher. Wow. You know, and, um, but his, just his, his eloquence and articulation really good. I interviewed a priest, a Catholic priest who came out of the, the church at age 50. And I interviewed another one at my grade school, uh, who came in in his thirties. Wow. So it's a really a, a diverse and uh, also interviewed a trans pastor, um, as well. Yeah. Somebody who came who came out and went through all the surgeries at age sixty-five. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Fucking, that's fucking commitment. Yeah. No shit. I mean, holding on to that all the way to your sixty-five and finally oh say, oh, Yeah, I'm 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 yeah, I'm gonna do it. Wow. Um, so yeah, so so to get to the answer would be somebody in that, you know, somebody like a Billy Graham, you know, somebody yeah. really that's I, I would say, because it would be a famous person if it's somebody I'd want to interview, it'd be somebody famous and to see what's scratching that surface. Because the jar kind of, you know, there's no, you don't know what question you're going to get. Yeah. So it, it's kind of fun in that it will really show you the kind of person these famous, you know, somebody famous would be. But I'd love to meet somebody in that religious space or that spiritual space, even yeah. a, gu- a guru of some type, an Indian, you know, some Indian spiritual people would be amazing. Oh yeah. Jewish, Jewish leaders. Yeah. Um, a Muslim, uh, a, a cleric would be awesome. Actually, yeah. that's a, just actually now I'm realizing I, I should find a couple of clerics. I haven't done a, I haven't done a, um, head of a, head of a mosque. Yeah, that'd be awesome. So, you know, you, you talked about music and we're kind of on this fantastical journey here of like, mm. like just like what, what if? So let's yeah. say you could get into a, a, a DeLorean and you could go back in time and see a, a concert. Where are you going? Who, where would you, who would you want to see? For me, it's super, it, it, it would be a real tough one. Um, there's about three or four. I would want Americana. Hardcore Americana. Give me a Jerry Lee Lewis, 1960-something somewhere. Uh, Elvis. Um, yeah, or an Elvis. Or Johnny, I'm sorry, the one that was really, I would want to see Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison. Yeah. You know, this kind of era. Yeah. Real, super, I mean, for me, Johnny Cash, Elvis, um, and Jerry Lee Lewis. Just uh, Jerry Lewis. Uh, Jerry, am I getting that right? Jerry Lewis? Yeah. Jerry Jerry Lee Lewis, yeah. Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah. Um, super Americana and yeah. just this frenzy of this electric thing kind of overtaking, you know, this kind of stoic, um, you know, s- static guitar and the frenziness of it, you know, that change, right? This post World War II, you know, kind of this, it's almost springtime in America. Yeah. Uh, in a way, everything kind of blossoming and that, that Americana music. Yeah. So everyone out there, you, you get the chance to ask them all these questions and figure out who yeah. they are. So let's find out who you are. Everyone has a perception <laughs> of you. Okay. Yes. Family, friends, yes. clients, interviewees, but you ultimately run your show. What's your perception of you? Who do you think you are? 
Hmm. I'm I'm really an interesting, you know, from if I if I step back and look at myself right now, um an interesting and almost like an enigma, uh, because I am this corporate person. I've definitely got that that identity, uh, but yet I'm not that person anymore, which is so weird. Like instantly. People ask me, do you miss Asia? No. You, no, that not at all. And I never missed America when I was in Asia. Yeah. I, I was always, this is where I'm supposed to be. I'm home. And so, you know, who am I now? It, it's, it's kind of perplexing even to me. I've been, I, I don't want to sound weird, uh, but it is what it is. My, you know, kind of where I'm at. I, I'm really not on my journey, which is an odd, thing to say because it is kind of a crazy journey i'm on this you know i'm going to 111 cities i'm interviewing 444 people it's not normal you would yeah. think you would know what you're doing uh you would th- you would think carefully and i did think carefully and i planned incredibly detailed uh very intentional but the ideas coming together you know between writing <clears throat> excuse me writing the book using the book for the questions to come up with this concept of putting the questions in a jar and the interview format and traveling. I'm, st- I still struggle, uh, Joe, to find where they all came together. And it, and to say it was my idea is not true. I mean, these are my ideas. Right. But this final concept and everything put together is real mystery to me, how I ended up here. And I'm, People ask me how to, and I like, I struggle. I, I remember this part. I know I did this part. I know I did this part, but where the three amalgamated together are four. I, yeah, it's not real clear to me. I just, this is where I am. And so I'm, I'm a person on a, on a journey. I'm really on a journey of somebody else's doing. And it's not quite clear what the purpose is yet, but I think it will show me at some point. So of all the things you've done in your life up to this point, what are you the proudest of? Proudest would be being, a, I think, a decent father. Got two really well-adjusted girls, two kids, two great kids. So I feel pretty proud of that. I mean, I think if anything, I leave, um, I leave that part a little better than I found it. You know, I, I think... I think I leave, you know, two kids that are going to do and add to this world um, better than their father. Yeah. And the sum of it. So that's my, for sure, my proudest thing. And I just became a grandfather for a, a grandfather. I found my first grandson uh, this week. Awesome. So, yeah. Good work. It's kind of, yeah, it's like exactly. I had nothing to do with it, but I'm like, damn, good work. And my daughter, right. they had two. And my daughter, God bless her, great sales lady. Uh, she convinced the husband for one more. And, <laughs> there you go. And I, think he, and I think he's pretty happy he did because he had yeah, two girls yeah. and now he's got a son. That's awesome. So they got the good, they got the balance. Yeah, totally. So let me ask you this. If anyone out there wants to partake in your work, your story, mm-hmm. anything more of your book, anything about you, where can they go? Yeah, the best, the best place is to go to our main website, thejar.live. And that's, you know, it's really easy. Everything is there. You can navigate to the podcast. Uh, you can also find we've got some great YouTube content from when we started. I had somebody put together some city summaries 
So if you're not an audio person or a podcaster and you, and you like this show, you like a video, you want to see some video stuff, you can find that on the YouTube. Uh, otherwise, we're on iTunes and everywhere else, but it's, uh, thejar.live. And you can also, if people, if you're, if your, um, listeners register there with their email, they can download the first part of my book, um, the book of self, uh, the part of it's dear God, but it's called the book of self. And it's your, it covers three topics, your yesterdays, your todays and your tomorrows which is kind of that battlefield of your mind. Yeah, for sure. So what you need to do now to get to Kansas City yes. is find a cleric here. I think we've maybe hatched, we brainstormed without knowing it. I, we, I we, love we, it. We've come full circle here. The mystery will persist, but at least we got a roadmap to the mystery. Yeah, and maybe and maybe I'll get you on, you know, I'll get you in front of the jar, Joe. Sit 100%, down the that's jar. what I'm saying. Yeah. But, Focus on the cleric and then yeah. on the back end, I'll show you the, the, the hip, cool part of Kansas City. We'll do it up. That sounds like fun. Yeah. <laughs> Promise take me somewhere, you know, some one of those places where they have one of Kansas City steaks. Oh, dude, we're going to do barbecue. We're going to do things that are underground. And, and I, we used to have this tradition in my 20s. We used to do this thing called Get to Know Your City Sunday, and we'd go out and we'd break into places like not like like covert like Ocean's yeah, yeah. Eleven, but we would go and we would. I mean, it was on. So I'll, I'll put my thinking cap on. You find the cleric, and and we'll uh, we'll light the candle, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna change. I'll, I'm gonna alert the team now. New, new <laughs> city. I, I have one. Actually, I have one more city I have to do. I'm, I'm at 110. On yeah. my plan, on my planning is actually the number I'm at. And so I'm missing one city. Divine inspiration, man. I love it. Ken, this has been great. Thank you for opening Joe. up. Wonderful to meet you. And then hopefully we meet again. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the famous interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening. And until next time.